This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Uh, This episode of the podcast is supported by Lagoon Sleep. Okay, do yourself a favor. Go get the best pillow you could ever imagine. You take a two-minute sleep quiz, and it fits you with the perfect pillow for you. They send you with the stuffing so you can fill it as little or as much as you want. There is no better investment than a good pillow. So go check it out. Use the code Lindsay. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. And using the code Lindsay will get you a 15% discount. I'm obsessed with these pillows and I hope you love them as much as I do. Okay, my guest today is Mary Van Geffen. Ooh, she's a parent coach for the spicy ones. I love that, right? Does anybody here have spicy kids? Uh, Mary says that your job as a parent is to be a calm presence as your children fail forward. Okay, Mary, please teach me how to be calm. I embraced her wisdom in this episode so much. I just got off the call with her, and so I'm extra excited about it because I usually don't record the intros so fresh off the calls. But since 2011, Mary has worked with thousands of parents to help transform how they show up for their kids and themselves. She's a certified simplicity parenting counselor, a certified professional co-active coach, and she's really honest. We talk a little bit about her diagnosed ADHD in this episode. We also talk about ways to connect with our kids when it feels really hard. And of course, you know, I always throw in my real life situations because I mean, come on. I have Mary Van Geffen on the show. I'm going to ask her some personal questions here so that maybe I can get coached through this a little bit via this call. Uh, Mary has an awesome course coming up that uh, is for parents of tweens and teens about how to shift your parenting to stay connected. Um, It's launched now and you can learn more when you go to maryvangeffen.com. I will also link that in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Ooh, I hope you love this episode as much as I did. I have already been imparting the wisdom that she brought to me with my children in this last hour. We will see how long it lasts, but I'm going to try. Uh, friends, if you do love this episode, leave us a rating and review. That is such a huge help in new listeners finding us. Share it on social media. Tag myself. I'm lindsayhine626 on Instagram. This podcast is Why Is Everyone Yelling on Instagram. And of course, tag Mary. And y'all are going to want to go follow Mary. She is Mary Van Geffen on Instagram. Uh, all right. Please enjoy my conversation with Mary. All right, friends. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling? I'm so excited to welcome my guest, Mary Van Geffen, to the show. Welcome to the show, Mary. Hey, good to be here. Uh, Mary, really excited to talk to you today. Um, I want to just start by hearing a little bit about your history and how you got into coaching parents and uh, helping us through walking through life with uh, what you call spicy ones. Ooh, the spicy ones. Well, first off, I was a spicy one and was maybe not um, delighted in for that. 
so I I grew up um, with a chip on my shoulder in that regard. Um, and then I had a spicy one, mm. gave birth to one, and um, found I was kind of out of my um, natural gifting. It wasn't common sense to me how to handle this big personality and this lack of flexibility and this um, high sensitivity and so many no's and so much conflict. And I just, I, I didn't have the skills. So it makes I, you feel crazy, doesn't it? It does. And it makes you keep asking, is it them or me? And right. When you're not sure if it's them or you, it might be you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, can it be both? Me. Yeah, it can be both. But I guess we don't need to pathologize or make wrong a large personality or a uh. person who is highly creative and divergent and just unique and gifted, but also has their own challenges. We don't have to make that a problem to be solved. And that's where I was going. I wanted to get a diagnosis for this girl because if someone would tell me she had sociopathic tendencies, then I could be the angel that was ministering mm. to her rather than the one who was pinching her or squeezing her her hands a little tighter than was necessary. And so I ended up, I was trying to hire somebody to come to her preschool and observe her. And that was like hundreds of dollars. So I, that didn't work out. So I finally took her to a play therapist and the play therapist um, had one session with her and said, do you want to come in next time? And I was like, sure, we'll talk. We'll get a game plan. We'll figure out how to protect society from this child. And <laughs> then I went back and then she said, come back again. And I went back and I went back. And two years later, I was ready to start helping other families. Mm. Uh, that's interesting. You were going to have them observe her at school because my spiciest of spicy kids is perfectly behaved at school. Mm. I mean, it is like the teachers would be shocked if they saw this child at home and him being observed at school, people would think, oh, wow, this kid is so well behaved and adjusted. So your child's better at masking and holding it together. Well, then he falls apart. Yeah. When he comes home. Um, one of the things I heard you say on Julie Bogart's podcast, which she's one of my favorite people if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard her on the show twice. If you haven't, go back and listen to her episodes. I wish I could just like bottle her up and have coffee with her every morning. And I think you're going to be added to that list, Mary. <gasps> oh, good. Okay, let's have coffee. <laughs> um, but you said amazing mothers can have highly defiant kids on her show. And I thought, wow. Because so many times I feel when things are going awry and I feel like I'm crazy and everybody's disres being dis disrespectful, I use that word, and like just like shit is hitting the fan, I think, where have I gone wrong? What have I done wrong? And I think, am I not a good mom? Have I paid attention too much to my work and my working out and all these other things and not paid enough attention to my kids? But then I hear you say that and I'm like, okay. Yes. Just because this is happening does not mean I'm not a good mom. Oh, gosh. And there's so much to unpack there because what are we calling disrespect? Is I know. It, you know, is it a leftover word from the past generation where it was basically if you are not in the first time compliance zone, if you are not bending to my will immediately, then you're disrespectful. And I don't think that's really what disrespect is. And What do you think disrespect is? 
speaking to someone in a in a tone with contempt or belittlement and mm. i think it happens all the time with kids and i think it's a signal it's mm. it's a signal of i have a need i'm not getting met or i have a frustration or i'm out of the realm of my coping skills and it it sort of like falls under another bucket than actual disrespect even when it classically is this is a child children are not toxic children are not um i just think sometimes we take the way we look at other adults and we just put it on top of a child and the relationship is very different with a child we're here to be um you know detectives about what is the appropriate human need underneath the inappropriate behavior and so I think if we're instead looking like, am I being respected? Not that that's what you're doing, but when we kind of have this antenna up for respect or disrespect, we're missing so much of the richness of how we can help a child successfully kind of unfold into who they're meant to be. You know, every time I use that word, especially when I talk to um, a parenting coach like yourself, as soon as it falls out of my mouth, I'm like, wrong word, Lindsay, wrong word, Lindsay. What Aww. word would you use Be in sweet replacement? To Lindsay. She's doing the best she can. Oh. Um, well, it's funny. There's two words that kind of trigger me. And one is disrespect as a word, as an idea, but the other one is obey. You mm. you better obey me, which mm-hmm. your southern sisters love, right? <laughs> oh yeah. And it makes me feel inferior. It makes me feel like I'm the pushover mom or she's always letting her kids walk all over her. I constantly feel that way. Yeah. You're kind of embedded in an old school. Um, you're in a very hierarchical. Yes. The parent is up here. The kids are down here. Which it's funny. In California, it's like you're living in the past because we've all come to this mm. place of like how do you um, – collaborate with your children and then sometimes we go the opposite you know the pendulum swings and we're having this child-centered home that creates a beast so it is such an art to find that middle ground of um, I want to be a safe space for my child I also want to allow them to have emotions and I want them to learn to be respectful and um, a, a community team player like there's just it's like we're walking on these little stones in a sea of lava and there's so many ways to fail and society's not helping moms they're just pointing to moms as you know do it all have it be carrying all of this weight so i just i feel you it feels like the stakes are so high oh totally and i love what you say about collaboration and i know that boundaries are a big thing with you and i think that that is what I struggle with and a lot of parents struggle with the most is like when we're trying to have this like mutual respect thing with our kids, like I respect them. We respect each other as humans, not necessarily like adult kids. Like you just respect other human beings, right? Like you treat people kindly. Um, but like, how do we create boundaries so that they know, Hey, mom's mom's in charge. Like I'm still the person that like runs this house and I do that to keep you safe and to nurture you and, to raise you to be hopefully a kind and caring human, how do we set those boundaries while walking in this collaboration? Yeah. And to be really clear, I am 100% okay with the parent being in charge and being the leader. Yeah. Um, but such a big difference between being in charge and being in control. We don't really have control over all the things that 
the people probably at the pool you go to feel like you do. Like, oh, he just spoke so ugly. They all turn and look at you. What what did you so do embarrassing. to create that? Yeah. And there's so much that is squashed down when um, when we have this like you step out of line. I say jump. You say how high. Mm-hmm. Like we are giving up a long-term close relationship with that mm-hmm. human. So mm-hmm. one thing is keeping your eyes on what your long-term goal is. You're trying to create a home that they cannot wait to come back to for Thanksgiving because there is respect given to them when it is not warranted. So we're also working on kind of a form of unconditional love, right? We're being like Jesus and that like this child is not acting respectful, but we're still going to respect them. And we're going to really believe in modeling. Um, But you asked, how do you set a boundary? Like, can you give me an example where that gets hard? Oh, sure. Um, I feel like every day, all day. Um, I'm trying to think of like the most basic situation in my house that happens every day. Okay, I'll just like give an example that happens all the time. Um, One of my kids like yells mean things to the other one. And then they start fighting physically. Like my older one will like just pummel the other one. And then I get mad because I'm like, you can't say those words to him. You can't physically assault him. Like, and it just like, and just nobody listens. Like everybody just keeps doing it. Yes. And okay, I don't know thoughts. how to create a boundary. Thoughts on that. Okay. And I, have a, I have a class on sibling, like how you show I how know. you parent siblings. Oh my gosh. So and I have that- four boys. I don't know if you know that. So it's like a very, oh. and yeah, I hate to physical. like, throw like gender out there like oh because I have boys no no, no. it's they are physical it's a thing you've got to get the hose out and spray those people down when they get on top of each other like no no one can understand unless they have multiple boys and 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 of course there's that's a type of boy I have a more mild yeah um, boy uh but if you got four of them together my goodness so anyway I the tone that you brought to that was yes traffic cop Um, Mm. or um, judge and jury. Like, you stop, you're wrong. Why are you doing that? Like, I can see you almost like pointing, like when you're trying to get traffic moving at an intersection. Like, everybody just stop. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, that works the first or second or third time. And then it starts to become kind of the noise. It's just part Mm -hmm. of the conflict. And they're Mm -hmm. willing to endure it to get their needs met, which is stop touching me or don't take that from me. Um, so I want you to shift your approach when you come into that situation and go from being traffic cop or judge and jury to just being a translator Hmm. and a translator. It's kind of like when you think about couples who use a mediator instead of a divorce attorney, it, it's a longer process. It's more gentle and you learn a heck of a lot more. Hmm. So a translator comes in and says, whoa, 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 Johnny, I, I can't let you hit Jim. Jim, are you mm. okay? I don't know why I'm using word uh, names from the 1960s. Let's just go with it. <laughs> um, Johnny, um, hold, hold on. What What's going on? He took the thing. He took your thing. Jim, um, Johnny says you took the thing from him. Well, I took – well, hold on. Is that true? Did you take it? Yeah, I took it, but I took it because – okay. John, I can't remember my names now. The other guy says that you um, – he was using it first. And you notice that I'm not picking a side. I am holding a space for them to actually hear each other. Because mm. what happens when violence comes in on it is one of two things. 
either they are out of their um, coping skills and they just don't have a lot of conflict resolution skills yet, or they just want some good old physical stimulation. They're seeking mm. a sensory experience and hopefully they're both consenting in that. Oftentimes they aren't, right? And that's a different situation. But in that first one, it's getting in there um, slightly earlier and you'll see I'm not answering your question like, how do I set a boundary? It's not really about setting a boundary. In this instance, it's about supporting children to learn healthy conflict resolution skills. And that's messier and less efficient than you coming in and using the right tone of voice to shut it down where nobody learns a thing, right? So I'll leave it at that if you want more, take the sibling class. But it's it's holding a space, getting them each to listen to each other until the one is frustrated and leaves. And then also having them come up with a solution. Guys, what do you want to do about it? What should we do? He should never live in this house again. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's going to work. Do you have any ideas that that could be sustainable? Well, he could ask me. Oh, he says ask you. What do you think of that? And you're just staying neutral. Mm. How does that land for you? I love that. Yeah, and I think over the years I have become it just depends on the day, right? Cuz totally. you mentioned at the beginning of this episode that you were a spicy one as a kid. Oh boy, was I a spicy one. Oh boy. Um, so uh, my oldest, for example, is the one most like me in his spicy ways. Like when he is doing the things that um, feel like why th- this house feels crazy because he's doing these things. I'm like, I feel it so deep in my soul because I remember feeling that way. Like I can see his feelings through his actions hmm. and my husband can't see it. Because he is about as even keeled as they come. Like he doesn't get anxious about things. You've got a mild things. child for a husband. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like just crazy mild child. So he doesn't feel those things. Um, and I can just like so deeply feel what my son is feeling. Where was I going with that though? Um, we'll never know. We'll I'll never say know. while you're thinking that my yes, husband go. literally said this morning, I love that with you I have no idea who I'm going to get each morning. You might be cuddly and goofy, or you might be fully on task and slightly angry. He's like, it's just a joy. You never know. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, But I think yep, that's yep. part of being a spicy one is there's a lot going on, a lot of taking in a lot of sensations and um, having a lot of plans that you want to execute on. And yeah, so I could see how oh, your form yes. would be that way too. All that to say, I think I've done a good, like, I think if someone on the outside were looking in my house when the chaos happens, they'd be like, how is she just standing there in the chaos sometimes? Because I've had to learn how to, like, live live through it, right? Like, yeah. I can't always be screaming. This is why the podcast is called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Because <laughs> I was sick of yelling all the time. So anyway, I love what you said about that, about holding space. But here's my thing. I feel like then that's all I ever do. Oh, it would be a full-time job with four kids. There's yeah. research that shows every – oh, my gosh, I'm going to get it wrong because I'm awful at – I think every 16 to 21 minutes, there's an altercation between two kids. There's a conflict. So if you multiply that with four, then you're heading in there. I can't do any math. I'm going to say every seven minutes you're in there. How do you do it then? Like, Because we have to live. Like, We yeah, have to – You decide you know, I'm going to – I'm going to – um translate for three challenges today oh I love that yeah I'm gonna do three times so there begins to be and I'm gonna tell them up front that that I'm gonna be helping them with that 
and that there mm. are other ways of getting your needs met than screaming and that I'm practicing it and I'm going to practice it with them. And then you decide, and there's going to be three other times where all I'm going to do is work on calming myself. Mm. And you are, you are an organism that changes the whole system when you are calm as the leader and the adult. So you being in the environment, calming yourself, putting a hand on somebody and not overreacting is a big, a big contribution to the piece as well. Um, I love that you have this sibling course too, because, you know, we all remember fighting with our siblings. Like who didn't? I don't know. If you didn't, then you had two very calm kids, whatever. Or you had a large age difference. Yes. For me, it wasn't so much fighting as, as like, I think I was slightly abusive to my younger brother. Oh, I for sure was. I'm so thankful they don't remember much of it. I remember holding my sister down and like putting her face on the ground while she tried to like spit at me. And when I see my kids doing these things to each other, I'm like, don't forget you did that. Right. And you are a adjusted adult, well-adjusted adult. <laughs> I, it's funny. I've just finished writing a teen, a tweens and teen course, and I am hitting that on the head over and over again because I think parents forget the jagged little up and down journey we took to get where we are today. We did not find, we did not do perfectly in and elementary school, get into a great high school, then go to the best college and save ourselves for marriage and not make any mistakes. Like we did so many dumb, stupid things. I hurled eggs off the first place <laughs> I ever lived independently in college. You know, it was junior year. And to celebrate, I threw eggs off the, the ceiling onto cars. Like that's not, that's not who I am now. And so making more space for – yeah. Maybe maybe surveillance has changed. Everything is now being recorded and yes. um, broadcast, but humans haven't. We still are going to make some really stupid choices as our brain slowly comes online. And I think we just forget that we – I mean, I think that's an exercise right now if anyone's listening. Like sit down and write down how you were when you were little around mm. this area and what you would have wanted. And sometimes the the answer is right in there of what you longed for when you were little. Now could you give that? Like it sounds like I don't know what you longed for in that altercation with pushing her head down, but maybe it was to have a calm adult come in and go, whoa, 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 and hold both of your hands or your wrists if you're trying to get away. Wait a second. These are two very angry girls. Can we breathe together for a second? And then I want to hear from both of you what's going on. Without this feeling of like she's going to come in and she's going to say I'm wrong. I'm the bad one, right? We don't want that. Yeah. What's what's happening for you as I tell that story? Well, I was actually <laughs> – my, my brain – I was actually thinking about um, this like physical closeness, like getting down on their level instead of like hollering from afar, hey, stop, like yes. getting close. And yes. again, my brain was going to how time-consuming that is. Like, I don't want to leave from washing the dishes to break that up or from and telling yet, you to line your shoes up, all that. Sure. And yet, the real job you've been put on this earth mm. is to shepherd these four little people. It's not to have a clean kitchen. Yeah. There will be – my, my therapist tells a story of being so annoyed by how – his daughter was always leaving those red solo cups everywhere. Like, oh, yeah. here's another cu cup from Holly. Gosh, he had to go in and he had to put him in the trash. And she left for college. And he looked Aww. around and there wasn't a single 
red solo cup and he would have given anything for those to come back. He missed her. He missed her mess. He missed her drama. And when we're in the thick of it, you know, I hate those reels that are like, you only have 14,000 minutes and 16 um, summers. You know what I mean? Like, I hate those. I know. And we have to like take a step back, look from 70,000 feet and like, what is our real role here? What is most important? It's not clean dishes. It's supporting these kids. And it's us having a good mental health and a joyful life. So maybe in that moment, uh -uh, this ain't the one I'm going to get involved in. Mm. I'm going to go run around the block because my body needs to metabolize the discomfort of having these sounds all the time and this cacophony. <laughs> when you said that, now I'm thinking of all the things I'm thinking about as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> you said, that's the beauty so, of ADHD. You're, you're you're listening with one ear and the other one's like, hmm, but, but that makes me think about. I know, um, which makes me have to work really hard in conversations to be like a really proactive listener instead of thinking about like where I'm going next with that. Um, I was picturing myself on work calls over the last like eight years, physically running away from children. <laughs> <laughs> trying to finish the call as they're like chasing after me. I have this vivid memory of being at my parents' house and we just got there, got everybody out of the car. I had to hop on this call and my son not like going to my mom and just like chasing me. And I'm like running through this field on this call with a sponsor. Oh I'm my trying gosh, to I wish we had video. With. Can you imagine if somebody did a montage of all the times that in our parenting that we harbor a little shame around it? Like <laughs> And we were I'm forced like, to sit and watch it. Yeah, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person on this call would probably be like, um, hang up, address your child, and get back to me. But instead, I'm like sprinting away from well, him. Who was it? Um, Julia, who is that pretty redhead actress? She was in Boogie Nights. Oh, um, whoever's listening is like screaming out the name. We'll Julia get Roberts? No, no, um, Julianne was, Moore. Yes, um, she said something like, um, Taking care of a child is not difficult, but trying to work while taking care of oh. a child is impossible. And Whew. I just, she said it much better than that. Maybe put it in the show notes if that's your kind of thing. But just the idea that we think as a modern parent, we're supposed to be able to do both or we're supposed to be able to press pause on parenting while we work um, because we're all working from home ever since the, you know, the pandemic or whatever. And that is not a reasonable um, expectation for ourselves. Like you can't do both. So one's going to really fail. I know. And that's balance in that moment. That's been my biggest struggle because I say this all the time. Like I so deeply want to go all in on both and I just can't. Like I want to go all in. I'm like, what kind of parent could I be if I had no work distractions and I just went all in on this? What kind of, what kind of um, um, small business owner, podcaster could I be if I had, if I gave myself the opportunity to have full-time childcare, which I could, but I don't want to because I want both. Right. Yeah. And it's they hard. are feeding each other. I can imagine a little like infinity loop of, yes. of how as you, um, when you are doing your work, you're being energized in a way and mm -hmm. and tending towards a part of you that needs that self-expression and to make a mark in the world, which makes you a more generous mother when you come back to mothering 
but also the podcast wouldn't exist if you weren't a mother. So they yeah. really kind of feed each other, don't they? Totally. Um, and, you know, as I say this, I'm like, there could be a lot of benefits to my kids being in full-time childcare while I like pursue this all in. But also I see a benefit in the fact that like I have two kids right now that are almost five and six, like entertaining each other. And I'm like, 4% chance they'll come in and bug me because I just got them all set up and I knew that and I can hear them running around and they're fine. And I think that that's like really good for their independence and learning how to fend for themselves, if you will, you know? Yeah. There can sometimes not be a more torturous parent than someone whose whole world is just parenting that child. And no disrespect to all the state homes, that, that was me. Um, but we overthink yeah, it, it, it's right in front of us, and we stay up at night wondering about every look. Like we treat the child like they're an organism to be studied under a microscope. And when we find another passion to coexist, it like takes some of the pressure off that child. Yeah, because as present or not present as as we might be physically, like our child is still going to be that same person. Yes, they are gonna they're gonna grow to who they're they are like pre-designed to be. And we can obviously, just like a tree, we can put good fertilizer um, in that soil. We can prune, but it's gonna be a tree, not a bush, no matter how much we wanna cut it down. Hey friends, a quick break here. I wanna thank Gooder for supporting this podcast. I'm so excited they've signed on for another year, and these are the best sunglasses out there. They are functional, fashionable. And they have all sorts of fun colors. They have classic colors and styles. And they are affordable. Not only are they affordable, they don't break easy either. They like really stand the test of time. I just throw these suckers in my purse and they survive. I don't know how they do, but they do. They have some really cool new sunglasses out now. I love the I like it like that. These purple sunglasses. I think those are my new favorites. And for listeners of the show, you can get free shipping. The code is another. It's just another. And when you use that code, you get free shipping off your order. So go to gooder.com slash another. Use the code another and that'll get you free shipping. Uh, all right, friends. And hey, when you support a sponsor of this podcast, that's you supporting this show. We can't do this show without sponsors or without you listeners. Those are two things that are very essential. So thank you if you've ever purchased from a sponsor before. We really appreciate that. And thank you for listening. All right, back to the show. Okay, now I want to go somewhere when you say that because I, it's got me thinking a lot about this. Um, so I grew up in the Christian church and I often, my kids, we've been fair weather church people, right? Like sometimes we go, sometimes we don't, then COVID happened. So we stopped going and then we moved and I've tried like eight different churches here. And oftentimes I think, okay, there's a lot of, of my Christian upbringing that I'm like, I never want to put that on my kids. Right. Um, and I think if anybody grew up in the nineties in the evangelical church, they would know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, however, I fear or worry that I'm not giving my kids this like foundation of hope and faith and all those things. And when we have behavior issues pop up, I'm like, they need Jesus, you know, <laughs> what, where have I gone wrong? They don't know what it's like to go to church on Sundays religiously and like, 
be in this like loving community. Not that our neighbors don't give us loving community, but I'm really struggling with that right now. I just wonder if you have insight. Well, I hear a few things in there. Like it's interesting that it comes up when they're acting up. Like what's, what is Like church kids don't act up. Right. Like magically, if you go to church, they're going to be better behaved. But I do hear an aching for community. And there is something about a group that decides to show up together once a week um, without fault that creates such a foundation for your child. And, you know, I want you to have a, a, a church community, but if that's not possible, you can create a community. Mm, and that's like, so true. There, I don't think this is where you wanted to go, but I got so much with my spicy one out of having a mother and me group that we started when she was six. And we just said once a month, we're going to get together mm-hmm. and we're going to, it was like six moms, six girls. We're just going to pass the talking stick. What's your highs and your lows? We're going to play a fun game. And it was just a beautiful way to have other relationships on display. Like my spicy one who's very independent, didn't really want to be wear matching clothes with me, could see other mother-daughter pairs. And, Mm. oh, that daughter sits on her mother's lap. It was just (laughs) interesting. And also she had somebody to go to. Um, if things broke down between us and, and teen years. And so yes. I just I echo your need for community and I also hear you wanting them to have faith. And I, I really like the work of Meredith Miller because oh, on yes. Instagram because she's like, we're not teaching them about God. We're teaching them to have a relationship. So I think if we can orient that and she has a book coming out, I'll just say go get that book because it's literally about this. How do you give a foundation of of faith without bringing all that um, heaviness, that um, shame and purity and all that. But one thing, I'm just going to give you a small assignment. Yeah. I would like to assign you that for the next seven days, you tell one story a day Mm. about a God moment for you. Mm. Some way that God has impacted your life or some way that you um, have given something over to God or some way where you felt cared by God, you're basically just establishing this relationship that you have that matters to you without asking anything of them yet. Um, but it'll feel good to have done something and to have normalized like talking about God. Um, how does that resonate for you? Yeah. That's really awesome because I think that with things like this, we oftentimes put this blame on ourselves like, oh, it's my fault. I haven't taken my kids to church and like I haven't done all these things. Or you could even relate this to something as basic as like a sport, right? Like all these other kids are like signed up for all these things. And like so much of this you can just do at home without spending all the money or all the things, you know, church, I'm not talking about money, but like with the sport when I brought that up. Um, but it's like, we put this pressure on ourselves and then we have this shame for not giving our kids that opportunity when like we could just be doing some of that at home and we don't for some reason, cause we yeah, th- and some think someone we else should do at home. So I guess I want to offer when you feel that pang of, Oh, this other family's doing this thing and I'm not, or, Oh, I wanted that for my kid. Go a couple steps deeper. Ask yourself what matters about that. Well, mm. I we were I was a soccer family, and I, I want this to be a soccer family. Ask mm. yourself again what matters about that. What about that's important to you? Well, I had a team I traveled with, and I remember being on the bus, and we would all sing. Oh, so you want 
a team, you want community for that child. You want them to feel like they belong. If we can get to that value underneath that thing that's given us a, a, a hit of jealousy or longing, we can see that there are many ways to fill and honor that value. Totally. Okay, I'm going to do that. Okay. Um, it can be hard because my, hu- my husband's like pretty agnostic. So like it can be hard for me because it's, it is a little uncomfortable, I guess. But What's uncomfortable? Like the God stuff. But I like that assignment. Well, could I give you a pre-assignment, which is to have a conversation with him where you ask for permission to mm. share your faith with the boys? Yeah. And just I mean, he's, point- he's good with that for sure. Okay, so then what's he grew up Catholic? He's just like I don't know. I think because the God stuff just feels like sometimes it can feel really woo woo to me. Ah, okay, so it's so it's more of a me thing, maybe. Yeah, when you're feeling ambivalent, it's so hard to like. I want to skip my ambivalence and just give certainty to my children. That's what you want. That's what we all want. I feel like because we want our kids to feel safe, right? Yes, and kids feel safe for sure when they um when they have a sense that there's something bigger than them and yes. we're all built with the with the a psychology that does better with spirituality i mean they, there's mm-hmm. so much research that shows yes. happiness and contentment is increased when we have a sense of spirituality and that can be met in many ways so maybe it's you guys all have a moment of of silence before you the first bite and it somebody farts the first 30 seconds and you <laughs> you laugh and you say we'll just keep trying right like it yep yep just honor that you are are longing for a bit of spirituality yes. and community and and just naming that to your family is everything it begins to orient you towards getting it okay so this is a really great segue to that with spicy ones because um one of the things I read on your website was that these spicy kids are highly sensitive to like lessons and and things like that and oh man do I see that with my oldest as soon as like a lesson's coming out or something you know it's like he resists it resists it like the plague and um so I'm curious how you might approach things like this teaching moments with the spicy ones yeah, well, they are so hypersensitive to shame. Yes. And so they see shame where it isn't, and they see shame where it actually is, and we didn't realize it. So mm. we very quickly get um, any bad habits from the past. Like I remember saying to my kid, what is wrong with you? Oh, I, I say it, and, and I – not go- <laughs> As soon as it spills out of my mouth, and I, I almost like know – you're about to say it. Don't say it. You're about yeah. to say it. It just and you feels still say good it. to say, doesn't it? it? It's like reflexive. I actually got rid of that um, habit by telling my son, I will pay you $5 every time I say it because there's nothing wrong with you. You are an oh, amazing human. That. And this is a bad habit of mine. And I ended up paying him 15 bucks. And then I didn't, I'm very, <laughs> I guess I'm money oriented. But wait, <laughs> back to your question. Yeah. Which was how do you um, how do you impart lessons to a person that doesn't want them? Who's very resistant. Yeah, number and, one, and wants to be the one that is. Oh, he wants to be the one that um, has all the control. Yeah. Well, number one is honoring that a spicy one learns by failing, so mm-hmm. it's not going to be the beautiful um, 
let me tell you what to consider as you go into this thing and, and be careful about that. Thank you, mother. I'm, you know, you're never going to have that. They're going to say, no, shh, I know how to do this. That is oh, just yeah. part of their um, personality. And I don't think it's up to us to break that as a habit. I think that they're going to maybe lose their first job and then they're going to figure out, you know what, I'm an entrepreneur or I'm mm. a this, like their, their road is going to be rocky. Um, and we don't have to solve that. We can mm. be the warm, safe place. So just know they learn by failing. But number two is they learn by watching your life. So you saying, um, you know, you need to talk nicely to your brother. Don't, you know, they're all they're taking in is how you're living your life. So mm. you do, you clean up your side of the street when you're around a spicy one and you make sure that you're saying, we need to speak nicely to each other. I know you're upset. Like you're modeling the things you want from that child because real values are caught. They're not taught. And so that would be the second thing is the modeling. And then the third I kind of alluded to before, which is telling indirect stories, mm -hmm. stories from your life, stories about when you were little or about when their grandparent was little or when they were little. Or if they're young, if you've got a you know two to seven year old telling stories about like woodland creatures, or maybe they're obsessed with transformers, and be like, I'll never forget when the yellow transformer punched the red transformer. Oh my goodness, the red transformer! It hurt his belly so bad, and they had to go sit with the teacher. Like you're basically trying to communicate a fable or a moral without being direct of like, you need to do this. Mm. So telling stories about your own failures that maybe didn't end up great. It's okay. Like normalizing that, but also if there's something you're trying to teach, I'm totally fine with making up stories. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting though, as you're saying this, I'm even thinking about like, books that I've read to my kids where there's like, it's like, you know, a lot of kids books, it's like, there's an obvious like, moral to the story yes um a lot of times I'll read the same book it's like a probably like a second or a third grade reading level say and but I read it to the kids and um there's four of them so it goes all the way down from to the five-year-old almost five-year-old to the 11 year old and there's always this like underlying moral to the story and you can almost like just see my spiciest one getting uncomfortable like getting uncomfortable with that with that like lesson being told because he knows in some way like he's done those things or something mm. like you almost like feel his shame from mm. the story being told. Which is a great indicator for you because you're so observant of your child. That's beautiful, by the way, oh. to circle back at another time and name the goodness in him. Like mm. if you're reading about lying um, yeah. and, and you can see him squirming, you might a next day when he says, well, I'm still hungry, you might say, I just love your honesty. You really mm. say exactly how you're feeling and you don't cover it up. And I just appreciate that about you. Name the goodness when, when it's there, especially if it's something that he tends to mess up in. And I think that can help that situation. All right. Let me give you one. I know we're getting close to our end here, but let me give you one lying example since we brought up lying. Oh, no. Just, just yesterday. My my spicy one also lies to me a lot um, for no reason. Like a, a lot of times I'll say, can you just be honest? Because I'm not going to be mad at you either way. I just want you to tell me the truth. Um, but yesterday we were running a couple minutes late to the swim meet. And um, 
I was like, hey, can you look in the back there and make sure that the chairs are in the car? Because this other pool said, make sure you bring your own chairs. And, you know, I don't know if you, your kids ever did summer swim, but it's like a five-hour situation mm. at these meets. Um, and he goes, yeah, they're back there. He looked. He said, yeah, they're back there. Well, we got there. They weren't there. And he was like, oh, I swear I saw them. But he then later admitted that he just didn't want me to go back inside because I was going to make him more late. Which, by the way, being late for him will ruin a whole evening for our entire family because he cannot handle being late. Um, so you answered anyway, your own question. And not that you had a question, but it was very clear what the human need was behind the inappropriate behavior. To not be late. To not feel the shame of walking in, all eyes on you, uh, you did it wrong again. And he is a um, smart little whippersnapper and he's going to do whatever it takes to avoid that feeling. And so my advice is don't put him in that position. You know, easier do you, said than oh, done. Okay. So I should have just got out and, and got well, the chairs. wouldn't have known, right? But now you know. Now you know. Like, like, we only know what he's we gonna know. He's going to freak. He's going to do whatever he can to not be yes, that That's his come from. He is using his entire will to get you to get going. So if knowing he's not in his right self in that moment. His, he's probably his, he's in fight or flight. Like we've got to go. Yes. And so he's not the person to turn to, to, can you check and see if this thing? Yeah. But do at some point though, do we have to like, where do we teach the lesson to him that lying is not okay? Well, I mean, in that instance, a natural consequence could have been like, we're going to have to miss the meat because I don't have chairs. We're going to oh, go back gosh. and get the chairs, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, there's going to be some hard lessons that eventually come, but I wouldn't, we don't want to walk our child to a lie and to mm. skirt around the places they are most sensitive or yep. least equipped to deal with. Let's not expect honesty in those. Let's go find all the honest moments that happen not in those fringe moments and name them and just keep talking about how honesty is mm. important. I love that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What about the late thing, though, with spicy kids? Like, they like to be, if they think they need to be somewhere at 5 and you're not going to be there at 5 and they wreak havoc on the entire energy of the family. I mean, one of the things I let go of when I had a million babies was mm -hmm. being on time. I was like, you know what? When I try to be somewhere on time and I have a, a newborn and a not even 2-year-old and a 3-year-old and a 5-year-old, I go crazy. So I just give myself that grace. I'm going to try, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to burn the house down in flames to get there on time. But that does not go over well for my oldest child. Yeah. This is one of those moments where their needs and our needs are at odds, unfortunately. Yes. And you have the luxury of being the adult. So you get to be, you get to call what you're doing here, but you don't get to make him okay with it. Mm. He could be in another family where they are militant about getting someplace 15 minutes beforehand and they would have a different issue with him, right? So I guess I'm I'm sitting on my hands to say what this child needs is you to get there 15 minutes earlier. He's not in that family. So instead, mm. let's have empathy for him. This is really hard. Okay. You like and name it. This is hard for you. You like to be there early. Wish I could give that to you. And as we as our kid as we all get older and we we all have roles in getting out of the house earlier. I mean, you can also give him if it's a, if it's so important, you're the one who says 15 minutes, give him that rule. Then yep. he notices the clock. He's allowed to announce that and then he announces 10 minutes. Um 
because if you have ADHD like I do, you need someone else to hold the time for you. And you, you're like, you're picking up the sewage. Um, what's that little top that goes up that you go down into the sewer? You've just lifted up that top in a whole topic of the shame we feel when we have ADHD and we can't give the structure mm. or the um, consistency to our child that they are begging for. Girl, I, we could do a whole episode on that. So Let's do it. Yeah. Another time. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel it. I feel that so much with my husband too even. Like when he sees that I can't manage these things just so I'm like, I feel like I'm such a hot mess, but I drop, I always drop the ball. Mm, um, and I don't think that's true. Here you are on time to talk to me, but there are parts of mothering yes. that if you are neurodivergent are not within your grasp to do on your own. You need help. You need support. You need accommodations. And part of the journey, I think, of realizing you have ADHD or autism or sensory um, issues is learning to talk to yourself in a way that you would mm. want that, like, IEP person to talk to you, that, that the, the assistant that was assigned to you, you'd want them to be like, you've got this. That's mm. okay. And if instead we're saying, look at me, I'm dropping all the balls, like, I bet if we looked at like a fast motion of your day, it's freaking amazing what you make happen. But somehow our brain goes to what we didn't make happen. Yep. So we got some mind work to do with you, Missy. I know. Um, I know. I was talking to my therapist about this the other day or my counselor. I guess she's, I don't know, she's technically a therapist. But I was talking about this like anxiety I had and this thought that came up and um, – about something that wasn't even related to me. And she said, and I said, ew, isn't that so gross that I even like thought that? And she was like, well, if you like created, like if you made yourself think that, but that thought came into your head, like that you didn't like make yourself think that. Like it just, <laughs> your brain did that. Yes. Um, and as we close, what I like to say about that is you are not responsible for a thought that comes in your head. You are responsible whether or not you want to marinate in it, nurture it, come back to it. So the thought comes up and then you decide, is this is this a nutritious thought or do I want to choose my mantra that I've written out that like I am a mom who cares deeply for her children and is growing each day, you know, versus I'm a hot mess. Okay. Lastly, what would you say to the mom who feels this like, you know, in the the culture today, you see the moms getting down on her knees and making eye to eye contact with the toddler. And you're, and I'm here with my four kids, like going crazy, but whatever. And I feel both two things. One thing, <laughs> a little bit of shame. Cause I, I don't, I don't do that so well. And a little bit of like, Oh, come on, just grab the kid and take him to the car. Like, you know, what would you say to that mom that has these conflicting feelings? Like wants to go in on this, like kind, soft, calm approach, but also like has to take care of business because she's got four kids. Yeah. I would say put on paper what you want. And that might mm. take pages and pages of journaling because you might want something different on each day. But do the work to articulate what kind of family you want and what kind of parent you want to be. And then write it on index card. Read it. Put it on your um, steering wheel Get clear on the kind of mom you are becoming or reaching for. So in those moments where it's like a decision point, should I yell or should I breathe? You rem you remember who am I becoming? Who do I want to be? 
Um, and maybe it you find out it's I'm a no nonsense take charge mom. Okay, then in that moment you grab him and go. But be, becoming clear on who you want to be versus what all the TikToks and the and the mm. reels are telling you. Who do you want to be? What's important um, to you as a mom? And then honoring that. Love it. All right, fun questions. Best most recent book you've read. It would be The Guide for the Modern Empath. Actually, it's called The Healed Empath by um, Kristen Schwartz. Nice. Uh, I liked hearing the more names for who I am and Mm. the good and the bad. Uh, Do you have a kid's book you recommend? Yes. The Little Troublemaker Makes a Mess by Luvi Jones or Lovey Jones. Love that. It's a great one about a a spicy one. I'm or- going to order that today. Um, a trip you've been on with your family that you recommend? We went to Barcelona and drove into the um, uh, the countryside and got out of the noise and the, the punking horns and the dirty streets into Costa Brava, which was like just this beautiful little seaside um, town. Mm. Last message to leave with our audience. Uh, delight in your child and in order to do that delight in yourself so start by naming the good in you and cultivating that and naming it and loving on yourself so you can love on your child okay so mary has a class coming up for teens and tween parents not for teens and tween parents for parents of parents of i said that wrong I said that wrong. <laughs> oh, no, it's funny. Just a funny word. But it's it's for people who are trying to be a gentle parent, and now you're getting this 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old, and what used to work is not working anymore. And so I have um, an awesome self-paced course that I've just recorded, and it ends with a Q&A, and it opens tomorrow. Nice. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Yay. So good to be with you. All right, friends. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Mary, for coming on the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your wisdom and just spending time with us and encouraging us. I want to bottle you and Julie Bogart up and have you in my kitchen for coffee every morning. (laughs) That would be my dream. Uh, Y'all go find Mary on Instagram. She's Mary Van Geffen over there. I'm Lindsay Hine 626. I'd love to connect with you as well. You can learn more about this show and all the shows in our podcast network at sandyboyproductions.com. We appreciate you. We are cheering you on. I hope you have the very best day and you're having a great summer. And we will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?